0: to be all of this will change we'll see you face to face jesus face Tears falling down my face, and this hurt would just be hurt with no healing on the way. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven changed. Good evening, everyone. Thank the Lord for you being here this evening. We welcome you to our Sunday evening Bible Fellowship. And if you're looking online, you're welcome too. Amen. We're glad to have you. And of course, y'all know that this is not Dr. Miller up here. Amen. He's a lot more handsome than I am. <laughs> He's a lot more broken up than I am right now, so bless his heart, we're going to pray for him. But it's good to see you all here tonight. We're continuing our study in the uh, seven feasts of the nation of Israel. And to me, it's been quite interesting to look at them and see what's going on and what it means. And before we do, though, uh, I've got the prayer list, Uh, not the prayer list, the weekly connect. I wanted to make a couple of announcements that... uh, Uh, need to be made Uh, we know Monday night they're having a meeting here and I wanted to make this announcement for Ron and Diane Tuesday the grief share starts back up again so if you know someone that needs to be in the grief share or wants to be please uh, let them know It's starting back up this Tuesday at 10 o'clock in noon 10 o'clock to noon and then the evening from 630 to 830 you can sign up at the desk, and or you can see Ron and Diane, so if y'all know anyone that needs to be in the grief share. Of course, Wednesday, we're going to have the youth come in and tell us what all happened at the Wiles Christian Camp. Also, we want to congratulate again Gage and Morgan, and the birth of their little son, Richard Graham. Let's congratulate them. And the other announcements, if you want to get a weekly connect right outside, and There's plenty out there, I think, and some of the announcements are a little further on out, but I do want to say that uh, this Thursday, the seniors are going to Walnut Cove. Is that correct? Any of you seniors in here going to Walnut Cove? All right, we're going to Walnut Cove and shop around and have a meal. We know how to eat, don't we? Those seniors know how to get out and have a good time, so remember that Thursday. And uh, so, therefore you Day 5 people that happen to come on Thursday. No Day 5 this week. It'll be back next week for some of you that come to Day 5, and Pastor Nick is going to be speaking then. So uh, with that thought in mind, that's just a few updates that we probably ought to mention. And uh, we'll think about prayer here right now, and we want to continue to remember Brother Harley. I understand he's doing better and getting around in the wheelchair and Actually getting around a little on his crutches. And now he's getting all in shape for uh, surgery on his shoulder. I understand that's coming up next. And since I see Brother Terry back there, we want to think about Miss Kathy. She's had her knee surgery, and Brother Terry, everything going well, correct? Everything is good. She's recovering well, so let's continue to remember Kathy. How about anyone else we'd like to mention to pray about? Yes. Kelly, with her shingles, yeah, that, yeah, she goes back to teaching, yeah, I saw on here, school starts back here, August, the what, 20, yeah, 28, y'all have to watch out for the buses again, won't we, school starts back up, and the young folks are, I know they're so excited, amen, I always was, (laughs) you believe that, don't you, amen, Adrian, me and you were so excited to get to go back, wasn't we? <laughs> I don't know if y'all know that, but Adrian and I were in school together. He looks much older than I do, don't he? Bless your heart, what happened? <laughs> Amen. Me and him were in school together. We had a lot of good times. How about our missionaries, girls and boys? They still doing good? Amen. Praise the Lord there for touching and healing. Brother Ray? Okay. Mm. Oh my. Keith Williams. Oh my. Well, Ray, thank you for mentioning him. And along with him, we want to pray for Roger. He's going for treatments tomorrow. And Cynthia Stanley, let's pray for her. And uh, Emerson Keats, little fella, let's pray for him. And someone else. Uh, I can't think of who, but God knows all about them. Let's pray for these requests right here. So, y'all will if you, yes, Kathy. Amen. Leaving for college. Let's pray for her. Going off to college. Is it far away? Oh, okay. Well, great. Let's pray for her. Yes, Sylvia. Your brother in New Mexico. In pain, about four months. Okay, Sylvia. Help me remember this one. And your, your granddaughter, let's remember her as well. All righty, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer then and we'll take a look at our uh, study tonight. We, we want to continue in this study on the feast. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, we, we want to thank you for your blessings. We thank you for this beautiful day you've given us and allowing us to be here. Lord, we thank you for the service we had this morning and the blessings. And Lord, uh, we thank you that we can come to you tonight and call upon your name and lift up these requests. Father, we pray for Sylvia's brother. We pray for the one Ray mentioned with the prostate cancer. Dear Lord, we ask you to touch and heal and relieve the pain. Dear Lord, only you can do these things, so you're the one we call upon. You ask us, you tell us to ask you to come to you and to ask and so that's what we're doing Lord we're asking you for healing we pray for those others with cancer the Keats little boy thank you for his remission for Roger and for Cynthia Stanley we lift her up we pray dear Lord that these fighting this terrible battle with cancer that you'll touch and intervene according to your blessed will Lord we go through lots of things down here and some folks go through worse than others And we don't know how, Lord, sometimes that they even are able to keep going on. But you, you are our strength. You are our refuge. So we call on you, and we come to you. We pray for Brother Harley. Strengthen him, Lord. Help him to heal quickly. And, Lord, thank you again for allowing us to meet here tonight to study a portion of your word. And Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, you'll speak through these lips of clay. Help me to teach this lesson. I can't do it on my own. I need you, Lord. So, Father, have your way in our lives and use us for your glory. And you receive all the glory here tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. We have studied four feasts so far. Somebody tell me what they are. I'm not putting nobody on the spot. I'm just picking We've studied the Passover. All of them are in Leviticus 23. The Passover, the unleavened bread. I can do this. Watch this trick right here. If I can figure out how to work technology. I want to show you this. Harley sent me these pretty pictures, and I thought I'd use them. So, what did we study? The Passover. The blood on the doorpost. Amen? You remember that one? God sent the death angel to Egypt. And if the blood wasn't on the post, he took the firstborn. And so we remember that if you look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, this was the first of the feast that we looked at. And God said this will be the first day of the month. It, would, it was the beginning of their religious year. As we get into the feast of uh, the... Day of Atonement, we'll we'll see that it was the beginning of the civil year. These feasts were in the early part of the year in the springtime. On the 14th day of the first month, the Feast of Passover and all that that means. And who is our Passover lamb? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He fulfilled that role for us in the New Testament the lamb without spot and without wrinkle. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He came and he died for us all. Praise God for that. Amen. And uh, we also study the feast of unleavened bread. Now we noted that the leaven represented evil, and the nation of Israel had to abstain from leaven for the whole week. They were to eat unleavened bread. And... We know that Christ was our sinless, spotless Lamb of God. There was no sin in Him. And uh, that's what that represents. And it also represents fellowship with the Savior. You and I, we can come to Him and fellowship. And if we have sin in our lives, we can confess it and be cleansed. Amen. And so that was on the 15th of the 21st day of the month. And here we are, we're celebrating the Passover, and then we jump right into the uh, feast of unleavened bread. And we today celebrate the Lord's Supper. We eat this unleavened bread. The Jews still do this today. They partake of that unleavened bread. Then we had the feast of first fruits. This was the third one we looked at and we know that the nation of Israel when they moved into the promised land out of the wilderness the first harvest that they grew was barley and they would take and they would take a handful of barley and bring it to the priest and he would take that barley and wave it before the Lord as a wave offering and that represented thanksgiving for God's blessings on the harvest and it was A sign that God would bless their efforts and there would be a great harvest to follow. A great harvest to follow. And they did this on the 16th day of the first month. And when they came with this feast of first fruits. And we learned that as we look into the New Testament, Paul the Apostle explained to us that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the living from the dead he was the first one to resurrect from the dead in a glorified body there were those in the Bible that had been risen from the dead but they died again the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead in a glorified body and he'll never die again amen when he comes back again they will not put him on a cross he's coming back to rule and reign but if you look at first Corinthians Chapter 15, we get the resurrection there. If you look in uh, the, those chapters, explains that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the dead, and we are the second, the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. When we are resurrected in our new glorified body, we'll be part of that uh, first and second and third and fourth fruits, if you will. And then we looked at the Feast of Pentecost, or weeks. This You could call it the Feast of Weeks, because they waited seven weeks. Seven times seven, 49 days. And then they waited the one more day after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, which is the Feast of Weeks. And they celebrated, and we know it as the Feast of Pentecost. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, Jesus was on the earth 40 days after his resurrection. And he told the disciples to go into the upper room and wait. And 10 days later, on the 50th day, the church was born. God promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and filled the believers there on that day. And we know the story, Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 souls were saved. And this was the beginning of the spiritual harvest in the New Testament. The church was born, and the church was filled with the Spirit. The people in the Old Testament had the Spirit to come on them and lead, but we as believers have the Spirit, and He's come and indwells the believer. Paul tells us again in Corinthians, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Lord? We belong to the Lord. The Holy Spirit indwells the believers. But the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost happened 50 days after the resurrection. The Lord Jesus rose on the first day. The church was born on the first day of the week. 50 days after the resurrection. Today, we're going to look at the Fifth feast. Now I want you to know something about the first four feast. The first four feast pointed to the Christ, pointed to Christ Jesus, first coming. Christ Jesus came, and we see it in the New Testament. He fulfilled those first four feasts. That's hard to say. First four feasts. Try saying that. But these last three feasts. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. All of these point to Christ's second coming, coming here to this earth, coming here to take his bride out, coming here to set up and rule on this earth during the millennium. So the first one we're going to look at right here, this Feast of Trumpets, that young man there is blowing what's called a shofar. It's a ram's horn. That's a ram's horn that he's blowing there. And we're going to look at why he's blowing that horn. But we're going to look at this Feast of Trumpets, and it's called Rosh Hashanah. Can somebody say that? Rosh Hashanah? Is that close? Y'all agree with that? Rosh Hashanah? I've never have been good at hillbilly, much less Hebrew. But Rosh Hashanah we'll go with that <laughs> that's what is called in the hebrew the feast of trumpets and we celebrate the new year and the hebrew new year began in the fall of the year the other four trumpet uh, the other four feasts were celebrated in the spring these next three are celebrated in the fall and as we look at this feast of trumpets here it began on the first day of the 7th month the 7th month So we've moved from the spring of the year to the fall of the year. And I want you to keep that in mind, if you will. So now let's go to some of my notes. The seventh, I'm sorry, the seven Jewish festivals. And I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to look at 23 through 25. And then thumb over in your Bible to Numbers chapter 29 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 because it gives us a little more description. So you can get your fingers limbered up. But the fifth feast that we're going to look at is the Feast of Trumpets. And it marked the ten days of consecration and repentance before God. That's very important. I'll tell you why. It told the Israelites to get ready. In ten days, the Feast of the Day of Atonement is coming. Now, this was a serious time, the Day of Atonement, and we're going to study that next week, so I'm not going to jump ahead of myself, but this blowing of the trumpets was a warning for the Israelite people to get ready. The Feast of the Day of Atonement is coming. It's when God deals with sin, And he's very serious about it. And we're going to see that as we get into it. But let's not jump ahead. We know that Passover marked the beginning of the religious year. And the Feast of Trumpets marks the beginning of the civil year and the fall of the year. And I wanted to show you this. The Hebrew word Turah. Someone say that for me. Does that sound right? Torah. Which means a shout. Or a blowing. When I read that there, it reminds me of what? The rapture. Absolutely. We're going to see that in a moment. A shout and a blowing. The trumpets mean something. I won't show you this, but uh, let's take a look at this in our scriptures. Before I get to moving too far, let's go back and read. Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. Are you with me? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month of the first day of the month, Shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You remember what the holy convocation is? A holy gathering of the people. All twelve tribes of Israel, they were all to gather for this. It wasn't just come if you want to. It was highly recommended you be there. It was, it was a serious, holy gathering, one of God's feasts that he uh, instituted. Ye shall do no several work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And then he's going to go right into the day of the feast of the Day of Atonement. Let's turn over now, if you will, into Numbers 29. This gives us a little bit more about this Feast of Trumpets. Numbers 29, are you with me there? Look at verses 1 through 6. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no several work. It is a day of blowing the trumpets unto you. And ye shall offer a burnt offering... "...for a sweet savor unto the Lord, one young bullock, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without blemish." Notice that. "...and their meat offering shall be of flour mingled with oil, three-tenths of deal for a bullock, two-tenths of deal for a ram, one-tenth deal for a lamb, and throughout the seven lambs." Now notice this right here. "...and one kid of the goats for a sin offering." And to make an atonement for you. Now that's going to be our next week's lesson. Beside the burnt offering of the month, and the meat offering, and the daily burnt offerings, and his meat offerings, and their drink offerings, according to their manner, for a sweet savor, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. I want to read one more verse, and we'll go somewhere else. Notice this here. And ye shall have... On the tenth day of this seventh month, a holy convocation, and ye shall afflict your souls. I'm going to stop right there with that, because that's going to involve our Day of Atonement. Ye shall afflict your souls. Think about what that means. I want you to think about that. And next week for your homework, read Leviticus chapter 16. It's going to be speaking about the Day of Atonement. So I'm giving you a homework assignment. Read Leviticus chapter 16, and we're going to get into that. But right now, we want to talk about the blowing of the trumpets. You saw the picture of the man blowing the ram's horn. Well, in Numbers chapter 10, we read about the two silver trumpets. Y'all remember those? Two silver trumpets. God told Moses, tell Aaron... The priest, a high priest, he was the leader of the Levite tribe. They were the ones that dealt with ministering in the tabernacle. They carried out the sacrifices. They did all of the worshiping process that was happening with the animals. They were in charge of it. Well, he tells, Moses tells Aaron that he is to have... Two silver trumpets beaten out. And these two silver trumpets, they were to be blown seven times to get the twelve tribes of Israel on the march in the wilderness. Now, I want you to think about something. They're in the wilderness when they start doing this with the trumpets. And the tabernacle is here. They got three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south. Three tribes to the east and west. I might have them backwards. But they had people estimate that there's roughly, probably, a million Jews that came out of Egypt, camped around the tabernacle, going through the wilderness. And they had three tribes on each side of the tabernacle. Well, God told Moses to make these silver trumpets. And these silver trumpets, as well as the ram's horn, was used to gather the people up to get them on the march. Now, think about getting a million people moving. It was quite a bit to do. The the horns were blown seven times, and each time they were blown, certain tribes would get up and get in line. First, the ark moves out, Aaron and Moses and the ark, and what's happening over the ark? A cloud, cloud by day, fire by night. God is leading them through the wilderness. But these silver trumpets were used to tell them to get in line, get ready for the march. They had to break down the tabernacle, get all the equipment, the poles, the tents. They had to do all of that, and they had to get in line and get ready to move. And this happened every time they moved. They would blow these silver trumpets seven times. If you read that in Numbers chapter 10, it explains it very well. They would blow one trumpet, and the prince, they call him a prince, of the thousands would come, and they would take instructions from Moses, and he would get his thousands ready to go. He would get his group, his probably three tribes or whatever, But read that in Numbers chapter 10. It explains it very well. And they would, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) they would get all of these people lined up with all the equipment and get them ready to march and follow behind the tabernacle. Can you picture that in your mind? That's a lot of people, isn't it? Getting them on the move. So these silver horns were blown at the time of the trumpets, these silver horns were blown seven times. And everybody got in line to march. These trumpets were blown to gather the people. Prophetically, we're going to see that in the last days. The trumpets are going to be blown to gather the people. Just a side note right here. The nation, I mean, uh, the book of Revelation speaks of what? Seven trumpets. Chapters 8 and 9, seven trumpets of judgment but it's also gathering the nation of Israel back into their homeland. That's another story. These uh, trumpets, the ram's horn, it was known as the shofar. We showed you that little picture there a moment ago. As well as the priestly silver horns. I can't say that word, can someone say it? Hashara. Is that close? Anybody speak Hebrew? Say it for me. Hazara, that's close enough for me. Is that okay with y'all? We'll go with that. But all of these were used in this Feast of the Trumpets. So just think about that. When these trumpets were blown, what was taking place? The children of Israel were being gathered together to be on the march. These trumpets were also blown when a time of war happened. It was a time of warning. A time of warning and a time of gathering. Just remember those two things about the trumpets. It was a time of gathering and a time of warning, if they was to have the war. Uh, these Feasts of Trumpets, they commemorated the end of the agricultural festival year. The blowing of these trumpets told everyone to start preparing for the Day of Atonement. They had ten days to afflict their souls. If you read Leviticus 16, you'll see three times there they were told to afflict their souls. The idea there of afflicting their soul was to humble themselves. Maybe to pray. Maybe to fast. Afflict your soul because you've got to deal with your sin we got to come with an offering and present it to the high priest. He's got to take an offering into the Holy of Holies for us, the nation of Israel. And so they wanted to be serious about this. It was, it's not to be taken lightly. They were to afflict their souls in preparing for this. And uh, they were told that you've got ten days. This... Is sometimes called the ten days of repentance or the days of awe. I think that's mentioned in uh, chapter 16 of Leviticus, I believe, Leviticus. Also, to signal Israel that they were entering a sacred season. Again, I'm not trying to say the same thing over and over again, but the feast of the Day of Atonement was a serious matter. And I'll show you that next week. The Feast of Trumpets there was to be a reckoning with the sins of the people. Sin had to be dealt with. God dealt with the sin adequately. And it was done His way. You just didn't come any way you wanted to. The Day of Atonement reminded the people that there was a judgment for sin. So that's something these trumpets reminded the people of that judgment is coming. It reminds us that judgment is coming. I'm going to show you some Old Testament scriptures here in a moment. Uh, They represented a time of warning and a time of gathering. Uh, The prophets linked the blowing of the trumpets to a future day of judgment. I'm going to show you a couple scriptures to show you that. The feast as well as the other feasts foreshadowed certain aspects of the ministry of Jesus Christ. You remember I told you this at the beginning of this. Each one of these feasts, if you look for it, it pointed to Christ. It pointed to Christ's first coming, our Lamb without spot, the sinless Son of God, the first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks. Christ's church, the Pentecost. All of that pointed to Christ Jesus. He came and he fulfilled all of those things. As we get into these uh, trumpets here, we're going to see that it pertains to his second coming. He's coming back to earth to claim his own. That's me and you. we going out of here. Amen? So let's take a look at that. What does Joel teach us? Joel teaches us, in, as along with several other... Uh, Uh, Old Testament prophecies that there's a reckoning day for sins coming and the people were warned by the Old Testament prophets. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. Joel said, blow the trumpet. There's the warning. The warning. Time to tremble. Blow that alarm because the Lord is coming and it's closest at hand. I didn't write down these, all of these verses. I want you to look at them if you like. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 14 speaks of the day of the Lord. And we all know what that means. The day of the Lord is the judgment that's coming to this earth. The day of the Lord. And it's a day of wrath. It's not coming a a picnic. Wrath is coming to this God-hating, Christ-rejecting world. It's a day of wrath. It's coming. People sit and laugh at us. They mock at us. They make fun at us. They make fun of God. But one day... Their knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess that he's Lord of lords and king of kings. Amen? But it also says in that verse 16 that it's the day of the trumpet. There again is a warning. A warning that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Joel and Zephaniah both speak of a time that's coming, a day of wrath, and it's announced by a trumpet. So, that's part of the prophecy concerning this Feast of Trumpets here. Let me show you another one. What does Isaiah tell us in Isaiah 27, 13? And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcast in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the Holy Mount at Jerusalem. Now if you study Isaiah, he gives us lots of pictures of the future millennial kingdom. Here's a, a, a prophecy concerning the millennial kingdom. And that trumpet is going to be blown. And the people will be gathered together. Where? To worship at the Holy Mount at Jerusalem. Here is it a trumpet being blown to gather the children of Israel into their homeland. That little spot of land that they live on over there now is not all the land that's been promised to them. There's a whole lot more to go, and God's going to fulfill His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob during the Millennial Kingdom, and they will be over there possessing their land that God has promised them. God is not done with Israel by any means. You cannot, you cannot, you, you can't uh, not acknowledge that God is still going to take care of his own. He's going to take care of his children of Israel. He's promised them, and it's, he never breaks a promise. So Isaiah tells us right here, they're going to gather together. The trumpet's going to sound. It's going to be blown and they shall come, those that are spread here, spread there, they're going to come and worship the Lord in the holy mount of Jerusalem. So we see that, that's just two or three examples in the Old Testament. We can look in the New Testament and see about the trumpets as well. The trumpets are associated with the second coming of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and we all know this verse, don't we? First Thessalonians, Amen we all know this one for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air amen I'm looking for that day aren't you I'm listening for that trumpet aren't you That could happen before we get home tonight. Amen? The coming of the Lord is imminent. He's coming back. We're not waiting on any sign. The next thing that's going to happen on God's calendar is the rapture, I believe. We're going out of here. And how is it going to happen? Through a shout and through the trump of God. And so here again we see that trumpet. It's a warning. And it's a calling His people together. It's calling his church out of here. It's calling his bride home to be with him. I'm looking forward to that day. I hope you are too. I know you are. Amen. But that's coming, folks, and it's coming soon. I'm going to give you another one here in the New Testament. The last trump. Where do we see that at? 1 Corinthians 15. Again, 1 Corinthians speaks of the resurrection of Christ. You look at It, it speaks of the gospel speaks of the resurrection of Christ, and it speaks of you and I being changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. What does the Bible tell us? Behold, I show you a mystery. Paul's telling the Corinthians, I'm going to show you a mystery. This is revealed in the New Testament, not revealed in the Old Testament. But I'm going to show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, there's that trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. I love that. This corruption shall put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. Hallelujah. This old body that's wearing out is going to be given a new glorified body. One likened to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Aren't you looking forward to that? Thank you, Lord. That's going to happen one day. It could happen tonight. It could happen today. But in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, I don't know what all that entails, but I do know trumpets are going to (laughs) sound. And I'm listening, aren't you? I'm listening for the trump and the shout, saying, Children, come on up hither. Amen. We're going up, and we're going up out of here. I'll give you another little... Uh, verse for us to look at Jesus teaching on the second coming if you're familiar with Matthew chapter 24 he gives us the Olivet Discourse and he breaks down the end times for us the tribulation his return back here to this earth we don't have time to go into that whole chapter but I pulled this verse out the Lord Jesus Christ speaking and he says and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. There's that trumpet again. And they shall gather together the elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, from north, south, east, and west, where God's elect, the Hebrew, the Jewish people, they're going to be gathered back to their homeland. They're scattered all over this world today. A whole lot of them are up in New York, I understand. But they're going to be gathered back to their homeland. And what's going to start it up? (laughs) The sound of the trumpet. Now this, I believe, is the gathering back during the millennial kingdom. If you look at Matthew 24, God gives us the whole breakdown there. The, The Lord gives us the whole breakdown of the picture there of the gathering of His children uh, back into... He first speaks of the great tribulation in Matthew 24. That's there too. But I just pulled this verse out to tie it in with our Feast of Trumpets. So you can see how that this Feast of Trumpets in the Old Testament prophetically gives us something to look forward to in the future. Amen? Something to look forward to. Uh, Revelation chapter 8 and 9. This is kind of uh, sobering, but we see seven trumpets in Revelation 8 and 9, and what are they doing? They're blowing judgment. God blows seven trumpets in the Revelations 8 and 9, and we see the great tribulation judgment on this earth. So you see again, the trumpets are tied to warning. They're tied to gathering the children, and they're tied to judgment, as we saw in the Old Testament. Judgment is coming to this earth. Judgment is coming, and we're going to hear those trumpets one day, and we're going to be gathered into His presence. I'm looking forward to that day. I'll put this last slide in here. Just as the shofar, the ram's horn, called the Jewish nation to turn to God and ready themselves for the day of atonement. So will the trump of God call us to heaven in the rapture and warn the world of the coming judgment. God is going to judge sin. The people that are living like there's no tomorrow, like there's no hell, there's going to be a rude awakening one day. Amen? It's coming. The Lord's going to come back with a shout and with a trumpet, going to take His children out of here, and then judgment falls. Judgment falls during the tribulation. Judgment to the God-hating, Christ-rejecting, unbelieving world is coming. And that's what the alarm, the sound of the trumpet's going to do. And uh, again... Back in our Feast of Trumpets, they represent something. God just didn't think these things up for the Jews to do just for the fun of it. They all represent something. They all mean something. They all point us to the ministry of Christ and what He's going to do. So you can look up and you can listen and you can be aware that judgment is coming. And as you think about that, next week... When we look at this feast of the Day of Pentecost, the uh, not Pentecost, I'm sorry, the Day of Atonement, the Great Day of Atonement, what is that about? It's that dealing with sin. The, we, we know that the word Yom Kippur, they, they still use that today. The Jews still celebrate the, the Day of Atonement. And all that's about is dealing with sin, Judgment. Judgment for sin. And what happens when you deal with sin? Blood has to be shed, doesn't it? So with your homework tonight, this week, read Leviticus chapter 16. And next week, we're going to come back and look at the great day of atonement. How that they worshiped the Lord on the great day of atonement. How their sins were atoned for. What the great high priest Aaron had to do. And he went into the Holy of Holies, spread the blood on the mercy seat. All of it's right there in Leviticus chapter 16. So I want you to read that for next week because it's important. It's important. God didn't take it lightly. And so it's it's not for us to be taken lightly as well. With that thought in mind, I'm going to close her out. Boy, y'all get out early when I teach, don't you? (laughs) Amen. Well, y'all don't mind that, do you? When I'm done, I shut up. You know what I mean? Huh? Don't need 15 more minutes. Amen. you got time to go get a coffee, ain't you? (laughs) Well, God bless you all. Thank you for being here tonight, and I hope it's been beneficial to you. Hope you've uh, learned a little bit of something about the Feast of Trumpets. Ray, are you raising your hand? Okay, I thought you was waving at me, brother. Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word. We pray, dear God, you'll speak to our hearts. Help us to understand it, Lord. Everything in the Bible means something. Everything in the Bible points to Christ. We pray, God, you'll enlighten us and show us what these feasts mean and how they have to do with Christ. And, Lord, we know that he come the first time. He died on that old cross for our sins. And he's coming back again. Praise God. We're looking for you, Lord Jesus, to come take us home to be with you. So until we meet again, Lord, help us to be about our father's business. Help us to do what you'd have us to do, Lord. And keep us safe and watch over us as we leave. And again, Lord, we pray for those that need your touch. Those that are sick. Those that need healing. We pray you'll touch them, Lord. Bless this group, Lord. They depart and keep them safe as they go home. And we ask it in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.